Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everybody from the great American Midwest. It is yours truly, Mark, here with another episode of The Wormhole. If you're listening live, then I thank you. Be sure to leave a like and a comment down below. If you're listening after the fact on Amazon Music or Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, be sure to follow, like, share it with a friend. Much appreciated. It's been a fun week. It's been really great. A little rainy today. Um, a little bit of yesterday, too. Um, work has been pretty stressful, but uh, we're getting through it and doing what we got to do. At the end of the day, this is a hobby. I got bills to pay, so got to do the job thing, right? Not much going on in the news. Otherwise, this week it's been pretty uneventful. Nothing major other than uh, Biden's um, student loan forgiveness program. That's kind of a hot topic in the news right now. Everybody's getting ready for midterms and all of that stuff going on with elections this year. So it's been uh, uneventful, but, uh, you know, the talking heads on TV still find something to talk about. So nothing really new there unless... Uh, you know, you're into that sort of thing. But it's been fun preparing for this week's podcast because we're going to discuss something that goes with the theme of the season because this, this season of the podcast, uh, season two, we're talking about conspiracies and conspiracy theories, evaluating the pros and cons or fors and against, and um, taking a look at the validity of those said conspiracies. However, tonight's episode doesn't fit in the scheme of some of the things we've talked about previously. We're not going to talk about UFOs. We're not going to talk about aliens and assassinations. We're not going to talk about government cover-ups, little green men, and secret cabal of organizations somewhere behind closed doors running the government. No. Today, we're talking about the most simplest of conspiracies... And that's whether or not professional sports are rigged. Now, this is a theory that I've I've been for and against my entire life. There are times in my life where I'll be watching a game or a specific uh, event, and I'll be like, "Wow, that was rigged." But then, you know, as a fan, you don't want to believe it, and you see other evidence to the contrary about how these things are not. Rigged, So it's really hard to, for my life, uh, from the beginning, um, yes, there have been times where I've thought certain aspects of professional sports were rigged, and then times where I didn't. So before I start tonight, know that I am completely on the fence. Um, I could go, well, before I started doing this research... I was 100% 50-50. Is, is that a mathematically accurate statement? Can you be 100% half? <laughs> anyway. I've had a couple of conversations with people over the past week about professional sports. Um, I've done a lot of research, watched some videos, read some articles... Uh, as I always do every week when I prepare for these episodes. And um, 
This one was pretty intriguing because it almost feels like, and I know this is just a false emotional thing, but this one almost felt personal because I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a very big fan of the Miami Dolphins. God help them. <laughs> you know, the Miami Marlins and, and so on and so forth. Most of my favorite teams um, are in the great state of Florida. That's where I'm originally from. And uh, it's a sad state of affairs. I, t I look at it personally because I have a personal connection with this particular theory. I am a sports fan. And by definition, this very conspiracies would affect my teams and therefore affect me indirectly. I don't have a financial interest in any team. I don't bet on sports and uh, I don't own any stock or any kind of thing in any of these clubs. So it doesn't directly affect me. But I'm close enough to this one to where if it were true... It would affect me on an emotional level. I don't think I could be as big of a fan as I am now if I found out it was true. For any sport. Um, my grandmother, uh, God rest her soul, was a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Her and I used to get into it all the time because I was a Marlins fan. And Marlins won the, the pennant the first year that they were a team. And it was the greatest thing ever. And I I've always been a huge Marlins fan, and her and I got into it quite a bit. And to find out that it was rigged, that'd be a little heartbreaking. Um, so what I've got tonight is I, I have like eight or nine tabs open <laughs> on this one. Normally, uh, every episode we do, um, you know, I might have two or three tabs open to, to touch on some bullet points to carry me through the hour. But tonight I have eight tabs open and it's a lot of material I didn't think that I would have as much material to talk about as I do tonight it's very almost disheartening to say that there's that much stuff that you want to cover conspiracy theory should be pretty cut and dry right you, you lay out your evidence and uh, you let the audience kind of decide, based on the evidence, what they want to believe. And of course, we're not going to cover every professional sport, right? Because there's a lot of them. Uh, we're going to cover the main, what I call the trifecta tonight. We're going to cover the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB, or Major League Baseball. Um, I could have gone deeper and gone into the NHL. I could have gone into the Olympics. I could have gone into NASCAR. I could have gone into tennis and WNBA. I could have gone into so many other sports, um, but I won't. And I should have went into NASCAR because I've always thought NASCAR was rigged. I always did. Um, but I didn't want to stack the deck too much. Uh, because if you start to believe, and this is one thing I noticed too, with a lot of people that I talked about, um, you have to be very careful. Because while these all may fall under an umbrella of professional sports, you have to understand that these are separate companies, separate entities that aren't related in any way. So if you think that the NBA is rigged, that doesn't automatically 
mean the NFL is rigged or the Major League Baseball is rigged. It just means that one is rigged. But it'll automatically, in your mind, create the connection of, well, basketball's rigged, sports are rigged, so you just have to think that, you know, they're all rigged. And you can't hang them all out to dry just because of one. You know what I mean? In this case, one bad apple doesn't spoil the batch. Okay? So by throwing NASCAR and a couple other ones in there that I'm pretty sure, I'm 99% sure are rigged, I didn't want to spoil all the fruit by making you think that one or two is bad, then you would have a foregone conclusion that they're just all bad. Um, baseball, I feel, is scripted. Um, and the reason I say that on a personal note, is baseball has gotten very boring. You watch a baseball game for three, four, five hours long, and it's very, um, it's very boring. Um, th I thought this back in like 2016, 2017, um, during the World Series with uh, the Dodgers, with LA. Um, I've noticed a lot more World Series are going to Game 7 um, to draw things out. I've noticed a lot of big-name teams and rivalries um, to sell tickets. In, the, in baseball, um, we've had a couple of examples of Coaches and managers coming out and confessing that they rigged games. Um, every conspiracy theorist for the MLB will go will point to Pete Rose um, for illegal betting on the games. And while it's true that you can have a bad agent in, in one organization and it doesn't make the whole organization bad, we also live in a culture now where one bad agent makes the entire organization bad, right? Like one bad police officer making every police station and every police officer around the country just as bad and just as guilty. Like that's the culture we've created for ourselves. P. Rose threw games and bet on those games. Whether he was going to win or lose, he would oftentimes bet against if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he was with the Cincinnati Reds, or maybe it was even the Dodgers when this happened. But uh, I'm not a, I'm not as big of a baseball fan as I used to be. But um, he would he would manage, which is another word for coach, his team, and then he would bet on those games in Vegas or wherever with his bookie against his own team and then throw the game. Now, that is definitely rigging. I mean, that falls under the very definition of a rigged game. However, that's the actions of one man. Now, if you, if you Google you know, NBA or NFL or MLB rigging, 
you will find the occasional story of you know a disgruntled fan who thinks a, a blown call was made and it cost his team a, an important game. You might come across you know an article or two about an agent of one of these organizations you know making some bets and and doing things on the side and getting caught and getting fined or whatever. But does that make the entire organization bad? In our minds, in our culture now, yes, it does. But is that fair? No, it is not. Pete Rose threw games and bet against them and, and made money in Vegas betting on games doesn't make the entire Major League Baseball organization bad. I do think it's scripted. Um, but it's hard to tell. Now, the common argument against any kind of sports being rigged, the number one argument I've come across is, oh, my God, you would have to, man, everybody would be in on it, and how in the hell would you manage to pay off so many people to be quiet? Well, look, we we talked about this last week, right, when we discussed the moon landing and like 400,000 people would have to be in on it if we fake the moon landing no they wouldn't no they wouldn't during the course of a normal baseball game only one or two people would have to be in on it right the entire team the fans the league itself could be complicit and think that everything is going by sheer randomness and chance and RNG, right? But we've seen just now with Pete Rose how one man, the coach, could throw a game. A, a simple example would be an umpire or a referee making some bad calls to throw a game. And there's been examples of this, and we're, and we're going to get into that here shortly, where referees or umpires would confess to throwing a game. Did the players know? Nope. Did the Were the coaches in on it? Nope. Was the league, the fans, the owners? Nope, nope, nope. But it was rigged by a small, small percentage or a small handful of people. So you would not need, quote, unquote, everybody in on it and it'd be too big of a conspiracy to keep quiet. No, that's what makes it so great. Because it has the illusion of being completely genuine and random and free of any kind of conspiracy like that. One man can affect the outcome of a game. Other than the, you know, presumably the players themselves making a an all-star catch or a, a throw or something like that to change the game. One man, like an umpire or a referee or a coach can change the outcome of a game to whichever outcome they want, which, by its very definition, is rigged. When you start talking about the NBA, I will confess, other than by sheer default being a Miami Heat fan, I am not a huge fan of the NBA. The NBA never really appealed to me um, I am a sports guy, don't get me wrong, and, you know, I have been known to watch a game or two, um, 
I gotta confess, there were a few things about the NBA that just turned me off. And I watched the NBA back in the mid-90s when I was a teenager. And we had Michael Jordan, we had the Bulls. I mean, that was a fantastic time. to. So I watched. Um, but I was never a Lakers fan. I was never um, a Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, LeBron James kind of bandwagon fan. And it never really appealed to me, some of the grandiose, the showboating, the ego, and the off-court stories of the NBA never really appealed to me. In any case, that's not why we're here tonight. <laughs> that's the why I don't watch basketball. Um, so, with that being said, I have found a couple of examples of how the NBA is rigged, and these made the most sense to me. They actually made me think. And they don't offer any kind of explanation as to why they're not accurate. Every other conspiracy theory I can find pros and cons against, but not this one. So, if you don't watch basketball, I'm going to explain to you how the NBA draft works. Um... Basically, the NBA draft is a lottery system. See, in the NFL, the worst team of the previous season gets the first pick, and the best team of the last season gets the last pick, and then it's, you know, it's in order. So the worst team, then the second-to-worst team, then the third-worst team get their picks all the way up to the best team who gets the last pick. That way it's never stacked. The worst team of the league that year gets to get the first pick of the top-of-the-line players to level the playing field, presumably making every season a fresh, fair start for all teams. In the NBA, it's different. In the NBA, it's a lottery. Now, back in the early days of the NBA, the way they did that lottery before everything was digital, uh, back in the early 80s, was the commissioner would have envelopes with every team's name or whatever in them, basically put them in a bucket and pick out an envelope and that was the team that got the first pick it was supposedly completely randomized or as random as you could get many skeptics claim that there's something sinister going on in the early 1985 nba draft for example before the lottery balls became the method for determining order of the draft lottery the league used envelopes in the case of the 1985 draft lotto the person who dropped the envelopes, quote, accidentally bent the corner of one of them. Strangely, the envelope that David Stern picked, who was the commissioner of the NBA at the time, to determine the number one pick moments later was the same one with the bent corner. Even stranger, the envelope didn't belong to some small market team to draft some low-name prospect. The envelope belonged to the New York Knicks, who at that time were one of the best teams in the league who used their number one pick to draft who? None other than Patrick Ewing, who went on to be a Hall of Fame player for the New York Knicks and win championships and just destroyed that conference for quite a few years. A bent envelope sticks his hand in there, shuffles around, finds the one with the bent corner, pulls it out. It's completely rigged. 
So when you do an NBA draft, if it's, quote, random that way, no player should ever know who they're going to get drafted by. It's not like in the NFL where they make a call and they say, hey, um, John Smith, this is the Green Bay Packers. Um, hey, if you're still available by the fourth pick, we're going to pick you, okay? Okay, cool. I'm probably going to be a Green Bay Packer. It doesn't work like that in the NBA. All the teams have an equal chance at every pick, so you will not know who you're going to play for until that envelope gets picked or that you know bingo ball or whatever gets chosen and then your name gets called. You could go to any team at any moment. You'll never know. So in 2012, during the NBA draft, the New Orleans Hornets, formerly the Charlotte Hornets, had the luxury of picking number one that year. They end up picking Anthony Davis, who becomes a pretty big star in the NBA. That sounds pretty normal. Until you go on Anthony's social media, I believe it was on his Instagram page, where two weeks before the draft, he's wearing a New Orleans Hornets hat sitting in his truck. Now, he's not from New Orleans. He didn't go to school in New Orleans. He had nothing to do with the New Orleans organization or city. Could he have known something we didn't know? Did he know he was going to go to the New Orleans Hornets? New Orleans Hornets? Well, let's sweeten it a little bit. He's wearing a New Orleans Hornets hat two weeks before he's drafted by them. Sitting in a truck that he paid cash for. A brand new truck. Blue, which is the color of the New Orleans Hornets. Brand new, paid cash, fresh out of college. Makes you think. Dirty referees. Now that's that's common, right? Any in any sport, I'm sure if you've watched any sport long enough and you develop an attachment to a team or a player, you're gonna come to a situation where there's gonna be a bad call. You're gonna disagree with it. And you're gonna claim the referees are cheating. It's it's part of the subculture. Eventually, you know, there's there's two certainties in life death and taxes well there's a third one bad calls by referees so when you come across the accusations of refs cheating you almost have to take it with a huge grain of salt because any salty sports fan will always cry foul when it comes to referees or officiating teams so this is a quote from uh, fadeawayworld.com It's common for diehard NBA fans to get mad at the refs after their team loses. In fact, many people get mad even if their team wins. These days, it seems like every game has way too many controversial calls. Are these occurrences just mistakes? Or are the refs trying to sway the game in one team's favor? It's already been proven that some referees in the past would bet on the game they officiated. But does it go even deeper than that? Game 6 of the 2002 Western Conference Finals, the Lakers, one of the biggest teams in the NBA, the richest, 
are shockingly down 3-2 against the Sacramento Kings. It's a best-of-seven scenario. In Game 6, the Lakers shoot a whopping 40 free throws in Game 6. And if you make all 40 free throws, that's 40 points. To eventually close out the series at home in Game 7, which would have made the Lakers millions upon millions of dollars. That evidence alone is hardly enough to cause real concern. But a claim from a former NBA referee claims him and his associates just, quote, let the Lakers win, end quote. Surely the NBA would have more to gain by sending the Lakers to the finals rather than the Kings. This could perhaps be the best evidence of the NBA fixing their games. Remember that referee that claimed the NBA rigged the 2002 Finals? His name was Tim Donahue. And he has taken these NBA conspiracy claims to a new level. He actually has a book called The Personal Foul, in which he literally writes about his experience in the league and how the NBA is not nearly as innocent as they appear to be. Donahue's life took a turn for the worst in 2007 when he was actually arrested by the FBI for betting on games and making calls that would change the outcome of games. He pleaded guilty and served time in prison. But even after that, he came out and began making claims that the NBA directed referees to fix games for, quote, for the best interest of the league, end quote. The 2002 Western Conference Finals, he claimed, was just one of those instances. This man was, first of all, confessed to fixing games in the NBA, was arrested by the FBI, put in prison, got out and wrote a book and snitched on everybody. He did the complete 6-9. He said, I'm going down, I'm taking all you bitches with me. And he flat out says, yeah, we did it, and we were told to do it, and they're still doing it, and they do it all the time. Like, what did he have to gain at that point, right? He's not making any money. I mean, yeah, he wrote a book, but it wasn't like a New York Times bestseller where this guy made, like, hundreds of millions of dollars in this book. What does he got to gain? He's already gone to prison. His career's over. He's probably working at Walmart some goddamn where. He's not relevant anymore. He has nothing to gain. His story, I believe, more than most of them. The guy has nothing to lose. He's, his life is shattered. He's like, you know what? I might as well just tell the truth. And he cooperated fully with the FBI. He, he told them everything. Said, yeah, we rigged games. And you know what? We were told to do it, and they're still doing it. Remember, I told you that the, the NBA draft is random. You're not supposed to know until the very minute that the draft happens, who's got the number one pick, who's got the number two pick, who's got the number three pick, and so on and so on and so on. It's supposed to be randomized on the day of the draft, so nobody ever has an advantage. The new age of technology has brought about many social media platforms to go with it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and others have served a great way for people to connect with others. The NBA is no different, using almost all platforms to bring basketball wherever it's wanted. While the NBA is known as one of the better media users, it also, on occasion, 
has exposed them. Now, Dikembe Mutombo played for the Philadelphia 76ers. Congratulated the uh, Philadelphia 76ers on getting the number one lottery pick hours before the official drawing on Twitter. He posted on Twitter, congrats to at Sixers on grabbing the number one spot in the NBA draft. Hours before the draft took place. Again, in 2016, the NBA Facebook page listed a Cavs versus Cleveland Game 1 finals matchup before Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals had even taken place. Now, what that means is, on the NBA's Facebook page, they put the Cleveland's... They put... The finals game, the like the Super Bowl of the NBA, and the teams that were in it on their Facebook page before the playoffs were even done. They slipped up and like put up the wrong image or whatever and says, you know, game one of the NBA finals is going to be so-and-so versus so-and-so on this date and time before the conference semifinals were even done, before the teams that were supposed to win or lose even lost or won to get there in the first place. They put the ending of the movie in the opening credits. And they spoiled the entire thing for everybody. And they claimed, oh, it was just, you know, a prediction and we wanted to see what people would think. I don't think that it's 100% rigged. I think that, like I said, in order for it to be rigged, you don't need hundreds of thousands of people in on it. But you do need a small handful of people to take advantage of it. And I think that's what's happened. I do think the NBA draft is rigged. I've come across too many stories about the draft and the way it's handled and too many circumstances where it's been quote-unquote predicted. Um, And it's just too hard to walk away from and be objective about it. As a Miami Dolphins fan, we're going to jump over the NFL right now. So I'm going to throw my favorite team under the bus because how can I be objective if, if I don't acknowledge my own team? Now, keep in mind, for the NFL, and, and we're going to come back to this in a minute, but I want to let you know something in advance. Unlike the NBA where that referee was arrested by the FBI and put in prison. It is not illegal to fix or script or throw an NFL game. It is in the NBA, but it's not in the NFL. And that always made me curious. Like I was just wondered why they would never include that, but we'll come back to that in a minute. So the Brian Flores was a coach of the Miami Dolphins last year. He was fired after they had a lackluster season. Miami Dolphins go through coaches like you and I go through underwear. 
So recently, a former Miami Dolphins head coach has filed a lawsuit against his former franchise that include allegations of tanking. Brian Flores claims he was offered $100,000 bonuses to lose games in 2019 to get better draft picks. Now, remember when I told you earlier that the NBA draft is based on teams that were the worst for the season get to pick first. So if your team and you're already pretty sure you're not going to make the playoffs, you have zero incentive to give a shit and every incentive to lose so you get better draft picks at the end of the season. Which is what the Miami Dolphins are accused of doing in 2019. Brian Flores is claiming that Steve Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, offered to give him $100,000 for every game he lost to get better draft picks. I wonder I wonder if he took that deal cuz <laughs> I remember that season. It was terrible. That guy was probably a millionaire by the end of the season just for losing. And that one's still in court. So I mean, we won't know what happens until well, that's all done and over with. Now could the NFL be fixed? Again, anything can be fixed. There's no hard proof that the NFL is fixed. A lot of people will throw out like conspiracy theories about how the FBI was looking into the mafia, like betting on games in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, sure. Okay, the mafia probably bet on all kinds of shit back in the day. And yeah, the mafia might strong arm or quarterback or a referee here and there to throw a game but to say an entire organization is rigged based on that i don't think so um the fbi never brought any charges on anybody for fixing nfl games because it's not illegal to fix those games the nfl is curious though because out of every major sport the NFL always has these stories, for a lack of a better term, right? Every season has a story behind it. It's like, you know, when the two brothers played each other in the Super Bowl. Or Peyton Manning becomes a, a, a Bronco and he wins the Super Bowl and retires just like his mentor did, you know? And it's just like... Every season has these stories, whether it's like a Cinderella story or it's like a, a hate story where you don't want to see a team win. And every season seems to center around some kind of story and everything seems to go just right for that story to happen. The same year Tom Brady was accused of cheating, the Patriots went undefeated and then lost in the Super Bowl. Now, back in the early days, 20-some-odd years ago, of me watching football. I didn't watch football until I was in like my mid-20s. 9-11 happens. Guess who wins the Super Bowl? The Patriots. A team 
whose very name is symbolic of this great nation of ours. Our twin towers are attacked. Thousands of Americans are killed. We're decimated. We were attacked on our own soil by a foreign enemy. And who wins the Super Bowl and rallies the troop just months later? A team called the Patriots. Led by who? A nobody out of nowhere called Tom Brady. Who, for his very first year as a starting quarterback, wins the Super Bowl. An unknown quarterback from a before then lackluster team that nobody would have predicted wins the Super Bowl. The year after Hurricane Katrina decimates the city of New Orleans and puts the entire city underwater, who wins the Super Bowl? The New Orleans Saints, bringing millions if not billions of dollars of revenue to a very much needed city of New Orleans. Let's look at Super Bowl 40. The Steelers beat the Seahawks 21 to 10. In this matchup the Seahawks got flagged, which is a term for a penalty, on multiple occasions on crucial calls that were obvious to everyone. It seems like they were playing against the Steelers and the officials that night. You would mostly shrug off cases like this as fans who hate the other team, get emotional, blah, blah, blah. A few years later, Bell, Bill Levy, a referee from that game, opened up and confessed to throwing the game. Bill Levy, the, 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 the referee for Super Bowl Forty, came out a few years later, said he threw the game. Now, my best friend, he's a Cowboys fan, so we're going to throw this out there. Dallas Cowboys versus Green Bay Packers, 2014 divisional playoff match. Packers were ahead with a 25-21 lead with only five minutes left on the clock. Tony Romo, wide receiver Des Bryant, sprinting down the left sideline. Brian Leaves grabs the ball over the defender. The Packers challenge the play. And to the surprise of all the viewers, the call was overturned without any inconclusive evidence giving Green Bay the win, who would eventually go on to, to be in the Super Bowl. This turnover cost the Cowboys the game. But three years later, the NFL admits that Des Bryant caught the ball. Now the list goes on and on with referees making calls that don't make sense or teams underperforming to the extent that any logical reasoning can't explain it. The officials have to do what they're told is best for the NFL, and they make the game go in the league's favor. Why? And we're going to go back to what I was talking about earlier, why it's not illegal to throw an NFL game, and why the officials will confess to throwing NFL games. Because the NFL is the only professional sport from Major League Baseball to NBA to NASCAR. The NFL is recognized and listed with the IRS and the federal government as an entertainment business, not a professional sport. Let's say that again. They are registered with the federal government and the IRS as an entertainment business, not a professional sport.
Much like WWE and wrestling, which we know is scripted and fake. What purpose is there to be listed as an entertainment business and not a professional sport? To protect yourself against lawsuits, to protect yourself against criminal conspiracies. Because as an entertainment business, you are providing entertainment, you're not providing anything else. It is gives you permission and to script it, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to swindle, to rig. That's why it's not illegal to rig an NFL game. It is technically listed under the same classification as professional wrestling, as an entertainment business. And boy, does it entertain. Quarterback Joe Namath guarantees a victory in Super Bowl three. They were the league underdog. What does he do? He comes through on his promise. He wins it. Why? Because Joe Namath in that time in the early days of the NFL, Joe Namath was like the Michael Jordan of football. Okay? He was the star. He would walk out on the field. The crowds would cheer. <laughs> Excuse me. That's how you know these podcasts aren't edited because I didn't edit out my sneeze there. Joe Namath was like the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Okay, he was the shit. Everybody loved him. He was a star. Everywhere he went, he had fur coats. Like, he had all the ladies and the convertibles. Like, he was the NFL's diva of the day. And their diva guaranteed a Super Bowl win. And he delivered. It's a little murky for me in the NFL. You want to say that it's rigged because, you know, you can find all of this evidence all around the internet. But that's just what it is, though. You have to take it with a grain of salt and realize that some of this is just a bunch of salty bitches on the internet. Some shady people at times approach key players and offer them bribes to throw games. We know this to be a fact. This is advantageous to those that bet for that team's victory, and the lost money goes to the betting company. It's a win-win for everybody involved except for the fans and the team that lost. While some people make money betting on sports, 99% of people lose their money. So the only reason you would bet is if you knew you had an edge. I think, in conclusion, the NFL rigs some of its matches to make more money. Why else would you have these scheduled games that for some reason seem to line up perfectly? Okay? You have rivalry games on crucial nights of the year. You'll have the Packers playing the Bears on Monday Night Football in the middle of 
fucking January before the playoffs. Like, one of the biggest rivalry games. Or you'll have the Cowboys playing the Eagles, you know, on on Thanksgiving. And it's just like a game everybody has to watch because it's a huge rivalry game. And it hoorah, hoorah, hoorah generates a shit ton of viewerships. Money, money, money. Sell tickets, sell ads. It's all for money. And you'll have that with players because... Everybody wants to see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl, right? How many can this guy do? He's been in the league 20-some years. Oh, my God. How's he doing it? He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Even people that hate Tom Brady want to see him keep going. So he keeps going. I think it would be tough for a case against the NFL without a little bit more evidence. But it has given me pause to at least think about things for a little while. The biggest nail in the coffin for the NBA was the obvious mix-up after mix-up, after mix-up with the NBA draft. Seeing that it is in fact not random, it is not anonymous, it's obviously rigged in advance. Major League Baseball, the most I could find is the occasional player, coach, or referee rigging a single game to make money. But not rigging seasons and storylines and schedules to the extent that an entire season is ruined or what have you. But in the NFL, the biggest nail in that coffin is the entertainment business. That one's a kicker. That one gets to me. So... We'll see how it plays out. I know this episode is slightly shorter than most, but I did want to cover professional sports being rigged or not rigged. And I know that we never really ever, ever, ever come to a definitive answer and prove a whole hell of a lot when we do a conspiracy episode, but that's the point, isn't it? The the point is the discussion and the journey through the possibilities and the differences of opinion and to leave you wondering after the episode if you believe it or not me i don't know i'm undecided on all of it shit i'm still on the jfk episode trying to figure out what i believe there i'm already three episodes later so my name is mark guys i want to thank you all for tuning in this day wherever you are I hope you're enjoying yourself, whether you're in your car, you're at home, or you got me plugged into your ears some way, somehow. Thank you very much for giving me 45 to 60 minutes of your day. Be sure to hit that like, comment, subscribe, follow, share, whatever buttons you have at your disposal. Please use them to help me out so we can grow from the great American Midwest. I bid you farewell, and until next week... 
I'll see you around.